You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. This is a sacrifice of demand and not one of worship. They had the wrong attitude. They had their hands out instead of up. You see the difference? Instead of putting your hands out to God, put your hands up to God. Big difference in posture, big difference in attitude. And, and when you give yourself to the Lord, it ought to be a sacrifice of worship and not one of demand. Okay? Talking about unacceptable sacrifices. The Lord, you don't just show up at the Lord's doorstep and just start demanding things. Amen. Motives and attitudes are important. This is especially true in your walk with God. Today, Pastor Gary shares that how you come to God matters. He asks you to consider if you're coming before God with demands and expectations or with a spirit of gratitude and worship. When your heart is focused on who God is and all He's already done for you, you'll be able to experience the next things He has for you. Pastor Gary shares that an entitled attitude hinders you from knowing God in deeply personal ways. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 as he continues his message, Revival Fires. The Bible even encourages us to be positive in our thinking. But now there's one thing you've got to be careful of is not to put too much stock in this robe of flesh that you have to deal with and live in. Some people think too highly of themselves. And there's another verse that cautions us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think soberly. In other words, be wise and alert because at any moment this flesh will trick you. This flesh will deceive you. It will cause you to lust for something that does not belong to you. It will cause you to yearn for something that is off limits to a child of God. And so don't put too much stock in self because self can and will disappoint you from time to time. Amen? So uh, the God of self, you know, Psalm 20, verse 7, will not turn there, but it says some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of, our, of the Lord our God. So who are you trusting? Are you trusting in your ability to earn an income? Are you tra- trusting in the traditions of the church? Are you trusting in your own personal ability? Or are you trusting in the God of heaven that can do anything above and beyond what you could ask or think according to his riches and glory? Depending upon where your trust is depends on whether or not you are eligible for revival fire to touch and to change your life. God says you got to trust me. You cannot put other idols in your life. He said, I am God and besides me, there is none other. Amen. It's kind of an uncomfortable message, but that's what revival ought to do. It ought to Show us the mirror of the Word of God so that we can look at ourselves and behold ourselves and say, Woe is me, Lord. Get an old-fashioned altar of repentance and turn back to God. Amen. If we really want revival, then that's what we ought to do. So uh, let's see here. Go with me back to 1 Kings 18 now. So the first way you know that revival fires are quenched is when our... Trust has been misplaced. So make sure you're trusting in Jesus. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm bound and determined to have a faith-filled attitude of expectancy in spite of the government, amen, in spite of economics, in spite of what they're saying on the news, 
As a matter of fact, I've, I've just got to the point to where I'm on an as-need-to-know basis. If God thinks I need to know it, He'll tap me on the shoulder and tell me. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep my head in this book and listen for the trumpet and try to make a difference for the Lord while I'm here because there's a lot in this world that's going on right now that I'll just stress myself out over if I study it every day. So I've just got to fill my head with the hope of the Word of God. Amen. And, and we know that the promises of God are yea and amen. That means they're steadfast, they're unmovable. So no matter what this world does and what what kind of chaos is going on around us, we can be secure in God, amen, if we'll just live a faith-filled life and trust Him with our lives. So you just got to get to a point to where you're not trusting in Wall Street. You're not trusting the White House. You're not trusting your place of employment to get you through, to see you through. You're not even trusting your doctors and your lawyers. You're trusting in Jesus because if all else collapses, Jesus will still be standing, amen. So I'm just thankful that I have somebody that I can depend on. And as long as we keep Him, as long as we're looking to Him, we're going to be all right. We're going to make it. Somehow or another, we're going to make it because He's the one through whom all blessings flow. So now, number two, another way that we know that revival fires are quenched or gone is when there are unacceptable sacrifices. Now, look, look with me at verse 28 of our text. Verse 28 of 1 Kings 18. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. Interesting to me. They were cutting themselves and, and in a way, though they may not have gone through all the way to death, they were making themselves as a sacrifice to their false god. Which leads me to think, even if I had went to the cross to be crucified for my own sins because I was worthy of death, my sacrifice would still not have been good enough. Amen? My sacrifice would not have been good enough. And so, I want you to think about a couple of things along those lines. Go with me to John chapter 6. I'm going to make a couple of applications real quick under that heading. John chapter 6. I know I got, got you turning a lot, but it's good for you. Amen? It won't hurt you to learn. You know, keep in practice where to go. John chapter 6, verses uh, 26 through 29. Jesus answered them, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Hmm. Here was a group of people that was trying to convince Jesus that they were living sacrificial lives of service for him. And Jesus called him out on it and said, you don't seek me because you're impressed with what I can do and, and you, want to work, you want me to work miracles in your life. He said, you just, you're just hungry. <laughs> you're just coming for a handout. Amen? How many, of you people, how many of you know people like that? Don't call any names. Right? Well, church folk do it all the time. We come to God when we're hungry and other than that, we pretty much try to live a life without Him. A lot, a lot of Christians try to do that. And, and what I want to point, to you, point out to you in this text is this is a sacrifice of demand and not one of worship. They had the wrong attitude. They had their hands out instead of up. You see the difference? Instead of putting your hands out to God, put your hands up to God. Big difference in posture. Big difference in attitude. And, and when you give yourself to the Lord, it ought to be a sacrifice of worship and not one of demand. Okay? Talking about 
unacceptable sacrifices. The Lord, you don't just show up at the Lord's doorstep and just start demanding things. Amen. I mean, the Lord is high and lifted up. He is holy. And, and He detects when your motives are not right. It's amazing how many people today will try to fool God. Try to fool God. Uh, let, let me hurry. Let's go on to Numbers chapter 19 real quick. Numbers 19 verse 2. Uh, not only was it an unacceptable sacrifice because it was a sacrifice of demand and not worship, but it was also unacceptable because it was a sin-cursed sacrifice. Any sacrifice that is presented before a holy God uh, will not be accepted if it is cursed by sin. Go to Numbers chapter 19 and verse 2. Let me see if I can find it. Here we go. Uh, this is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot. You see that word without spot? Wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came a yoke. In the Old Testament economy, in the Old Testament uh, administration, when you were to bring a sacrifice before the Lord, it was to be a spotless sacrifice. It was to have no blemish in it. Whatsoever, it could not be a lamb or an ox or something that had maybe an eye that was poked out or or a broken leg or a flaw of any kind. It had to be thoroughly inspected and spotless and pure in order for it to be accepted before God. And how many times do we come before the Lord and just expect the Lord uh, to just overlook uh, a lot of the things? And, you know, and I understand grace and I thank God for grace. And I don't want you to take me wrong here because I'm not trying to go legalistic on you. But now, there are some things we just get too lazy and sloppy with and expect God to just overlook and wink at. Amen? Uh, and I think that we need to have an attitude of excellence when we serve God. That we're, We should always be inspecting ourselves and making sure, reevaluating our motives, reevaluating our spiritual condition, making sure that there's no unconfessed sin in our life. Amen? Making sure there's nothing that would hinder our prayers because what's the use of praying if God can't even hear them because we're allowing unconfessed sin to fester in our hearts. I think we should always make sure that when we come before God that uh, that our sacrifice is pure. Amen. And spotless. Go to First Peter one nineteen. Now, how do we do that? First Peter one nineteen. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how you do it. You get it under the blood. You cannot be spotless on your own. That just that just tells me that just like we should already know that you should keep a short sin account with God. The very moment you know that you stepped out of line should be the very moment that you. Agree with God that what you did was wrong and you confess it and forsake it immediately. Amen. That should be our practice. That should be our concern. That should be our, uh, our desire because the only thing that will make us presentable before God as living sacrifices is for us to be continually cleansed by the washing of the water of the Word and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it's the blood of Christ that makes that possible. Another verse to consider is 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two. First 1 Samuel. 15 and verse 22 and Samuel said hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams in other words it always boils down to the heart amen because some people go through the motions and think they're doing God a service but their heart is so far from God Jesus told that group of Pharisees, He said, You serve me with your mouth. 
and you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Does your lips and your heart live together or separate? That's a good question. Amen. I'm talking about serving God. If you're going to be a living sacrifice for God, like the New Testament tells us to, we need to make sure it's pure. We need to make sure we stay under the blood. Amen. Make sure that we keep a short sin account. Make sure that we're living. I still believe in living holy. Living righteous. Amen. That's not popular preaching today, but it's truth. I believe you ought to dress right. I believe you ought to watch the places you go, watch the things you say. Watch the people you hang around. Amen. I, I believe you ought to be careful uh, as a child of God to make sure that you're representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with utmost integrity and honor. And I believe that we've stifled revival by allowing sin to go rampant in our lives and unchecked. And we need to get back to where we're acknowledging our sins before God and getting it under the blood. And, and all of this, uh, you know, uh, th- this sacrifice that we're talking about, it was unacceptable because of uh, it, was, it was a demanding sacrifice. It was cursed by sin, but it was also a self-righteous sacrifice. Uh, they, they assumed that their own merits were good enough. Amen. And we cannot assume that our own merits are good enough. We, we got to come to an understanding that our own merits will get us nowhere with God. Amen. And so this leads to religious mechanics without the power of God. Go with me to 2 Timothy 3, 5. Having a form of godliness. Let's, let's back up. We've got to build the context here. Verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, that's your homosexuals, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. That's why the world hates you. They despise you because they see something in you that they don't have. And rather than celebrating your success, they criticize you and want to kill you and take you down. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, the Bible tells us, to turn away. In other words, there's a group of religious people that run around and do everything they want to do, and yet they claim to know Christ. And the Bible tells us to turn away from such. Because your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks a whole lot more than your talk talks. I hear you talking, but I also know where you've been. I see you walking. And uh, the Bible tells us to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. When was, when was the last time you did something, stepped out of line, and somebody reproved you for it? They don't do that no more. We're too afraid we'll offend. But I hope to God I have somebody in my life that loves me enough to know when I'm straying off to pull me to the side and say, Now, Brother Gary... You've been doing good up to this point, or, or maybe you haven't, but I don't know you're definitely not doing good now. Amen. <laughs> I hope somebody, as a matter of fact, I give you permission that if you see me getting out of this book, call it to my attention immediately. Please, I beg you. I will not consider it disrespectful. I will be honored that I have somebody that loves me enough to point it out to me and show me where I was wrong so I can get it right. Amen. 
But we've got to, we've got to get back to being willing to call sin what it is. And recognizing, hey, in this world, there's going to be people that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. In other words, they do not give God the opportunity to allow His power to work in their life to help them overcome their sin. Do you want to know why a lot of people don't want to overcome their sin? Is because they love their sin too much. They really enjoy their sin. They don't want to overcome it. It's a habit or it's, it's a hang-up or it's, it's a comfort to them. Uh, and the only reason is is because they haven't got to the end of it yet. Because the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. So they're in the pleasure season of sin right now. That's the reason it's, it's their pet. They, they love it. They don't want you to mess with it. But now you wait one day when they broke down on the side of the road and they ain't got no money in their pocket and all their friends have left them and they're, they're, on, they're, you know, they're hung over or they own dope or crack and their life is a mess. They'll start looking up for hope then, but sometimes that's too late. Are you listening to me? Having a form of godliness, but not denying the power thereof. Don't be deceived by people who live like hell and claim to be a citizen of heaven. Amen? And if you're one of them, if the phone is ringing, pick it up. And so, uh, you know, I, I believe that one of the reasons revival fire has gone in our churches is because of the kind of messes that we have going on that are unchecked by the Word of God and unchecked by the man of God, which leads me to my third and final point. got to hurry. Another reason that revival fires are gone is because there's powerless preaching in our pulpits. Powerless preaching. In our text, look, at, look back with me in 1 Kings 18. Look with me at verse 29. And it came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied. This is talking about the prophets of Baal. They prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice and there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. They was preaching all right, but they was doing some phony preaching. They was false prophets. Amen? And I'm telling you today, you get a man of God in the pulpit that will preach the Word of God without fear or favor, and you will have some fire in your pulpit. If you don't have fire in your pulpit, it's because somebody is claiming to be a man of God, but they're not declaring what thus saith the Word of the Lord. We need some fire in our pulpits if we're going to have fire in our pews. Uh, let me tell you some things about powerless preaching. Powerless preaching results from preaching with the wrong material. It's important what you say. And, and, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself, but this is also applicable to you. Uh, don't be going around saying the Lord said this and the Lord said that when the Lord ain't the one that said it. Amen. The Lord told me this or the Lord told me that. Well, no, He might not have. Amen. I mean, you got to be careful to represent the Lord because otherwise you become a false prophet. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. God's words are pure. When man begins to mess with God's word, it becomes tainted. And there are even versions of the Bible today that are corruptions of God's word because, the, uh, because of the method of interpretation was slanted by the opinions of men when it comes to certain subjects. You gotta know what's trustworthy today. Powerless preaching results from preaching with the wrong material. So that's why we preach from the Word of God. Galatians 1 7. But there be some 
that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Did you know there are people that will pervert the gospel of Christ? It's not that they're not using the Bible. It's just that they're misinterpreting the Bible that they're using. That's why the Bible tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. And that's why it's important for you to know your Bible and to know the truth from error. Don't take my word for it. Take it home and study it out for yourself. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. And and that way, uh, nobody can come in and deceive you because you know the truth. Amen? It's important. Don't take my word for it. Go to the Word of God. Powerless preaching, though, results from preaching with the wrong material. And also, uh, and, and so don't ever settle for anybody. I don't know how long I'll be here. I'll be here as long as Jesus wants me to be here. And I thank God for the opportunity. But regardless of how long I'm here, don't ever settle for anybody that does not preach this book and preach the whole counsel of God. Powerless preaching results from preaching the wrong message. You know, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Let me go there. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And that's where we're at today. That's why we have entire denominations now that are adopting gay marriage. It is sickening how the people can claim as a uh, a body of believers, allegedly or supposedly, uh, to embrace something that is a, a blatantly and, a, and obviously opposed by God Himself in His Word in many places throughout the Scripture. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Amen? Uh, but we have preachers today that have watered down the truth or they have not, they have not spoken the truth at all. Or they only select the parts that are comfortable to speak about. And they dodge the rest. Amen. And you know, we should we should we should be willing to preach on hell just as much as we're willing to preach on heaven. I should be willing to preach on sin just as much as I'm willing to preach on living the victorious life. Amen. And I try to keep a balance. Sometimes I might get a little lopsided and the Lord has to remind me it's time to preach on something, you know. And so that's what we try to do. But uh now you you need all of it, not just part of it. I need all of it, not just part of it. Brother Clark said you can't give them the good news without first telling them the bad news. And that is very true. They got to know there's a hell. They got to know that their sin's taking them there. And they got to know that the only hope is Jesus Christ. Amen. And you cannot tell them why they need to be saved without mentioning the word hell. Without telling them that there is penalty for sin. But we, we have preachers today, buddy, they ain't going to talk about hell. They ain't going to talk about anything uncomfortable. They certainly ain't going to call something sin. I'm a little bit old-fashioned, but I still believe that lying, cheating, stealing, whoremonging, drunkards, amen, uh, homosexuality, all of it is still sin. Amen. And it is sin before God, and it needs to be put under the blood of Jesus Christ. And you need to repent of it. That means turn. That means there should be a change in your life to where you're no longer wanting or willing to live that lifestyle anymore. Revival fires are gone because preachers quit preaching. Powerless preaching also results from preaching with wrong motives. Let me go here. And this is something I always pray that God will give me the right motives. And I want you to pray for me as your pastor that God will always keep my motives pure because I know I'm not perfect. I know that I, like anybody else, am made of flesh and that I am just as capable of anybody 
as sinning and going astray. I do not put any trust or confidence in myself at all. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I know myself too good. But look with me. First Peter chapter 5. Look what the Lord instructs the man of God to do. Verse 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint. In other words, don't take it because you're being forced or uh, your arms are being twisted. Amen. Uh, but willingly. Uh, any, anybody that's preaching because they're expected to preach and not because they want to preach should not be preaching. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.